Um, so this is going to be the next study we're doing. Joey said that I couldn't. He said I got one more weekend. Zemic, he said and you can't do it. I'm gonna. I want to finish mm -hmm. this off. So you figure out something else. And I said, well, what are we doing after Zemic? And he's like, I don't know. I said, well, let's just do the attributes of God. So he said, okay. Um, and I did this for two years in Korea. Uh, this was the Bible class that I taught was Attributes of God. And I used um, A.W. Pink. We read through A.W. Pink uh, at the first part of the school year. And then we went through our workbook. And so I'm going to be pulling from A.W. Pink, The Attributes of God, A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God, and Stephen Lawson has some lectures on Ligonier, uh, and you can catch them, they're on YouTube as well, but they're, they're like Grace Life Church of London or something like that, and you, it's not really titled The Attributes of God, but anyway, that's where I'll be, I mean, nothing you're going to hear from me ever is going to be original, so this is where I'm basically be pulling from uh, these three sources. Uh, and of course, you know, so it does say extra biblical, we will be looking at the Bible as well. Uh, and if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to um, Philippians 3. That'll be the one, I think that's the only one I don't have on the slide. So, let me see here. Okay, so first of all, I guess we need to talk about what is an attribute. Uh, and that is the quality or characteristic that belongs to a person. When you say that's how we define or describe, or define and describe somebody. Um, the only issue we have here, though, is the depths of God's attributes are unfathomable. We cannot ever get to the bottom of everything that God is. Um, and so we really only have a glimpse of who God is through, his, through the Word. Um, and the only way to know who God is is for Him to tell us. We're not ever going to be able to come up with who God is unless He tells us. It has to be what we call specific revelation. Uh, we do have general revelation where we can kind of understand things about God as, you know, we can definitely look and see the, the earth and how it was created and say, well, he is a creator God, right? But if it doesn't line up in scripture, then we'll never be able to say, you know, that's who God is unless he tells us. Um, so actively seeking and accurately understanding who God is, which is his attributes, will promote a high and holy living. And this is what Lawson says. He talks about high and holy living. Um, you know, if you have a high perception of God, uh, you can have a high living. But if you have a low perception of God, then you're really not worried about God. And so you're kind of just living at your own whim. Um, so every aspect of our lives are reflective of our view of God. So it all depends on how you see God and who you think God is. That's how your life, everything in your life is going to, um, to reflect that. Um, 
You know, if you think, um, you know, if God is just all love, you're going to live however you want to. You're not going to worry about sin because God loves you and He's going to forgive you, all that type of stuff. But we also have the attribute of God as being wrathful and just. So you got to have those in the right perspective. You know, you got to you got to have both of those, an understanding of both of those, um, because that's who God is. Um, we see that in scripture very easily. Um, so you know, just the attributes. Whenever we talk about that, it's just simply qualities or characteristics of God that we see in scripture. Um, so it's really simple, but I'm not going to try and get any too crazy with it because um, I'll, I'll confuse myself. So why are we doing this study? Um, these are all from Pink uh, in the preface of his, or introduction, I can't remember, of the book. It says, A spiritual and saving knowledge of God is the greatest need of every human creature. The foundation of all true knowledge of God must be a clear mental apprehension of His perfections as revealed in Holy Scripture. An unknown God can neither be trusted, served, nor worshipped. He also says, God is, the, God is only truly known in the soul as we yield ourselves to Him, submit to His authority, and regulate all the details of our lives by His holy precepts and commandments. So the reason why we need to know God, one is that's the very uh, basic need for every human being to be saved, is to have a spiritual and saving knowledge of God. And that no the knowledge that we say we have has to be accurate. You know, a lot of people know God. Or a lot of people, you know, we hear it all the time, they've made their peace with God. Well, that's just not accurate. You cannot make your peace with God. You can't do anything. You have nothing to offer God. He doesn't want anything from you. You know, it's only by Christ alone uh, that we can be reckoned back to God. Um, so we have to have an accurate uh, knowledge. Um, and once again, that's just for salvation. And to be able to worship Him, we have to have the knowledge of Him. An unknown God can neither be trusted served, nor worshiped. So if you don't know God, you know, you can say, okay, well, I know God is God the Creator. Well, you can worship God in the fact that you know Him as Creator God, but He's so much more than that. And He deserves so much more worship than just being Creator God. He's so much more worthy of all your praise and adoration. So until you get to know God more, you really can't worship to the fullest, or at least to what He deserves. Um, and you're not going to serve him either. Uh, once you kind of know people, you kind of a little bit more, a um, little bit easier to do things for them. And that's the same thing with God. The more you get to know God, you realize that, hey, I can trust him with everything and I can serve him in everything. Uh, and so you're much more free to do that. Uh, and that trusting is, a, is another one. Uh, an unknown God can uh, neither be trusted, served, nor worshipped. You're not going to trust God unless you know him. Unless you've experienced his, him and who he is, that's the only way you're going to be able to trust him. Um, so, and the only way we're going to know him is by his word. So let's look a little bit uh, at his word. Um, this is Jeremiah 9.23. And this goes back to, to um, basically what Jordan preached uh, Sunday morning. 
you know, those are kind of the attributes of God really kind of summed up. Um, but, you know, if we um, truly wanted to know God, where God, you know, God didn't just go and say, okay, uh, you want to see me? Okay, this is who I am. Look at me. No, he said, if you really want to see my glory, know my name is Lord and these things about me. You know, he didn't say, oh, look at me and you'll know who I am. He said, basically, I am Lord and you trust in that and you'll see my glory. You'll see all these attributes tied up into the Lord, uh, Lordship. So, um, I always like going, you can kind of relate almost all these attributes into that uh, Exodus passage. But um, anyway, Jeremiah 9, 23 says, This is what the Lord says, Let no wise man boast of his wisdom, nor let the mighty man boast of his might, nor a rich man boast of his riches. But let the one who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises mercy, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for a delight in these things, declares the Lord. So the only thing that man could even boast about, that's worth boasting of, is that we know God. Okay, And once again, that's not a, a knowing God in our own understanding of Him. It's knowing Him based on who He says He is, which is only found in Scripture. Uh, Verse 25 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, that I will punish all who are circumcised and yet uncircumcised, uh, Egypt, Judah, Edom, and sons of Ammon, Moab, and all, uh, all those inhabiting the desert who trim the hair of their temples, and for all the nations are uncircumcised, and the house of Israel are uncircumcised of heart. So that goes to show that he's going to punish all that are circumcised, but... Really, they're uncircumcised because they don't know Him. They've done this outward expression, but inwardly, they have no clue who God is, and He's going to punish them. Um, and we'll see that in a lot of different places. Um, so knowing God, and before we get into it, uh, well, I'll go to the next slide. I think I can write on this. But I was just going to uh, start here before we kind of get into some of the New Testament stuff. Um, Can we name some attributes of God? I think there's 15 that Lawson does, and I think there's 10 or 12 uh, in A.W. Pink's uh, book. And oh, so I would recommend to go read A.W. Pink's book. It's short. Like, it's not real lengthy. You can probably sit down and do it in a week easy. Um, I'm not sure about the... Tozer's The Pursuit of God. I think it's a little bit longer. I haven't got through it yet. I'm actually just started it. Uh, but definitely go read Pink's and you'll have a really good idea of where we're going uh, in this series, I guess you could say. But somebody name an, an attribute of God. Okay. Oh, that's not right. Is that a Y or an I? Is it an I? You start writing, especially in front of people, you're like, I don't look right. And I don't write stuff ever. <laughs> it's always typing at everything. And 
Uh, what else? Just. God, we would say God is love. I just, Whoops. Well, that didn't go over well. Okay. Uh, so raffle. Uh, we just let's just say he's just. Um, what's it? What's some other ones? Gracious. Gracious. Well, that's about seven. <laughs> yeah, we got the three, uh, the three omnis. Yeah. Omnipotent. So he's all-knowing. He's everywhere, and he's all-powerful. Three omnis. I think we're up to ten. Say right. We said that one. Patient. Eternal. Patient. Patient. What about glory? Well, all these would be summed up in glory. Yeah, he is, he is gloryful. Um, this is one that we'll talk about early on. Um, self-existent. Immutable. Immutable, yep. We'll talk a little bit about that one here in a little bit, but yeah. Stop Googling it, Nathan. I'm just kidding. Yeah, so there's a bunch of them, right? And you say, well, he's love, but yet he's wrathful or just how does that work um, but we'll also talk about how these are not um, contradictory but actually complementary of his character um, alright I didn't, I didn't even bring my Bible in that's bad um, okay so let's go to um, Philippians 3 And where do we want to start on that one? First of all, I gotta find my Bible out. Where's that one at? Uh, oh. Go ahead and start in verse one. Jeremy, read that for us and start. Um, Let's see here. Go through verse 16. We'll do 1 through 16. Right. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write these same things again, it's no trouble to me. Uh, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship the Spirit of God 
and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and his power of his resurrection and the, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which was also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you also. Uh, however, let us keep living in the same standard to which we have attained. Okay, so Paul kind of lays down his resume here. You know, if he was going to go into an interview, they said, well, tell us a little bit about you, Paul. And he says, well, you know, I'm pretty much the, the Jew of Jew. Like, I'm the Hebrew of Hebrews. You're not going to find anyone any better or live a better life than me as a Jew or as a Hebrew. Uh, you know, circumcised on the eighth day, check. Uh, of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, check. A Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law... Pharisee, check. As a zeal, purchaser, or purchaser, persecutor of the church, check. The righteous under the law, blameless. I've followed it to the T, right? And then he says, but guess what? I consider all that lost now that I know God and know Jesus Christ. Because it is all worthless when you come to know Him. Um, and so... Uh, and then he kind of goes on to list out the things that he did know, that I uh, know him and the power of his resurrection, the suffering, and the death. Um, and so he lays out the whole fact of, hey, there's nothing in this life worth trying to obtain or going after if you don't know God. Really, God is the number one thing. If there's anything that we're trying to do, we shouldn't be trying to... Um, Raise the best family, have the best job, um, whatever you want to name off. There's nothing that should ever go above knowing God. Literally, everything we should be doing should be bringing about the knowledge of God in our lives. Um, and so, um, Paul says, you know, I just every bit of it is worthless now the, in the knowing of God. And the more you know God, it's a lot easier to realize those other things really don't matter. It's pretty much useless. You know, it's all going to fade away. 
but knowing God is eternal um, and it will remain. So, like, really knowing God is kind of in its own realm. Like, nothing else compares to it. Nothing has any value or use uh, to knowing God. So, um, let's see here. Here's what it looks like to not know God. Uh, Galatians 4, 8 says, However, at that time, uh, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles to which you want to be, ens- want to be enslaved all over again? So he says, you know, before you knew God, you're a slave to everything else. Okay? Now that you know God, why would you go back to those elementary stupid stuff? Okay? Titus 1.16, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. So it's different than just a profession of knowing God. Um, you know, we've all seen the Tyler song about today, the raise your hands if you want to be saved. Okay, make this profession, blah, blah, blah. Satan's demons does that. They know that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they tremble because they know. They have a deeper understanding, a deeper knowledge of who God is and who Christ is than we do because they know it and they tremble, and we don't. So it's a little bit more than just saying, okay, well, i got a head knowledge of who God is. I kind of know who He is. He's love and blah, blah, You know, you can name out all these things, but yet your life doesn't line up with it. You can obviously see that Titus says that's, Useless. It's not lining up. And that's the reason why we said earlier that your knowledge of God is going to reflect in everything that you do. Okay. First um, John 4, 8 says, The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So if you don't love, you don't, you don't even know God. And first of all, you can't love without knowing God. Okay. You can have your idea of what love is, and the world wants to go out and say, well, love is love, it don't matter who it is. Well, according to God, there is a certain way to love uh, because He has laid out the rules and the regulations on that. Okay? So to know God is to know love. Alright, Second Thessalonians 1.5 says, uh, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you indeed are suffering. For after all, it is only right for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, along with us when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in a flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, and to those who do not obey the gospel, of our Lord Jesus, these people will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes to be glorified among His saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. So it says, look, the end result of not knowing God, complete and utter destruction. That's it. 
you, we can really, you know, we can boil it down. We always say you can boil it down to two type of people, those that have and those that have not. Or, but here it is, is you either know God or you don't. And that's literally the only thing that matters once you draw your last breath or when he comes back. That's it. So we didn't not only make sure that we have a, uh, well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but it's not just to have a, an academic or intellectual knowledge of God. Because like I said, the demons have that. It's to actually know him and that will be lead to an intimate knowledge of and a relationship with him. Okay. So, good. We're going to get through plenty of time. Attributes of God. So, the fancy word is communicable and incommunicable. Basically, those that are shared and not shared. So, the three omnis. Omnipresent. We can't do that. That's one of those attributes that is only him. I know we try and or we think we can be everywhere at all times, but we can't. Those are uh, not, not shared attributes or the uh, incommunicable attributes of God. We cannot be all-powerful, all-knowing. Um, and then we have the communal. Can we, can we have the attribute of love? We better. Can we have the attribute of patience? Long-suffering? Yeah, absolutely, we better. So there's two kinds there. Uh, and then we have, these are kind of the real, um, we, gotta, we need to keep these three things in mind when we're talking about the attributes of God, okay? All attributes of God represent the entirety of the Godhead, okay? So what I mean by that is every attribute is the same attribute for God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. There's none that we would say, okay, well, God's really the loving one and the Holy Spirit's the wrathful one or something like that. No. All the attributes, every bit of it is God. And so they reflect in all. Now, they all have different roles, but those roles should not be mixed up with their attributes. Okay? So all the attributes are representative in the entire Godhead, as in the Father. Uh, Son and Spirit. And then all attributes of God are eternal. If you just think about this, that would be one of the things that makes God God, right? Because He has always been from the very beginning all these attributes. It's not like, and we see this a lot with people talking about the New Testament and Old Testament. They say, well, you hear people say, oh, well, that was a different God in the Old Testament. No. That same God had the exact same attributes as the one in the, the New Testament. That is God the Creator. That is God Almighty. Because just think about it. If God, one, okay, immutable, meaning God can't change. Well, let's just say if God was wrathful, and then all of a sudden He decided, oh, I'm going to now become loving, well, that would be God changed, right? Therefore, He's not God, because God doesn't change. He is eternal. Everything about Him from before time all the way through all eternity, nothing changes with God. That would be almost like Him learning something. Oh, I learned how to be nice today. God's not going to do that. He's eternal, and all of His attributes are eternal as well. And then all the attributes of God are connected to the other. They are interrelated. They do not contradict themselves. Really, uh, Tyler hit it right off the bat when he said, God is holy. Well, his 
love is holy. His justice is holy. His everything about him is holy. And you see that all that stuff kind of uh, intermingles together with all the other attributes. Okay? All right. So, what now? So, we're going to go on. Of course, we're going to start laying out some of these attributes each week. Um, but says, the Bible is not an end in itself, but a mean to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into Him and that they may delight in His presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God Himself in the core and center of their hearts. So, it's not enough just to have the Bible that tells us these things about God. That has to work itself within our hearts and within our soul so that we can have uh, our very being uh, turned towards God. And that's from Tozer in the pursuit of God. Uh, it's not an academic or intellectual subject alone. It's not just enough to know about it. Once again, the Bible, you can know everything that's in the Bible, know everything it says about God. But if it's not worked its way into your heart and soul, it's really useless. That, you're one of those circumcised but uncircumcised people. Okay, You do know, but you truly don't know God. And then an accurate understanding of God is foundational to how we know Him, worship Him, serve Him, and become more like Him. So if we have a um, blurry or an inaccurate um, understanding of who God is, how on earth are we going to worship Him or serve Him? It's impossible. Um, and then we're definitely not going to become more like Him because we're basically going down the wrong road because it's not the accurate uh, knowledge of God. And so the thing is, He's already given us what we need to know. Okay, It's in the Word of God. He's, he reveals it in, like I said, general revelation, uh, that we can see in nature, but then we have the specific revelation of Scripture where God specifically reveals Himself to us. And that's the <coughs> only way that we can come into a relationship with Him. It's only by the preaching of His Word can we come to a saving knowledge of God. And so, once again, I hope we will... Um, I hope you will, I guess next week will be, we have church next week, next Wednesday. I don't think any Wednesday nights are messed up, right? Okay, so Joey should finish up Zemeck next week, and then we'll start in on uh, the attributes of God the following week. So you've got a really good head start if you would go and get uh, A.W. Pink's uh, The Attributes of God, and I think you can find it on PDF, like it was like, 1946 or something like that. Like it's been around for forever. I mean, almost as long as Jan. But um, yeah, so just go find it, read through it really quick. Even if you just get through a few of the attributes, um, you know, you'll be you'll have a, a head start on that. If you can get a hold of the Pursuit of God uh, by Tozer, like I said, I'm going to try and use that. I think Joey has some uh, different resources, and you can go on there for. Uh, Stephen Lawson's videos, once again, on YouTube. Uh, you can find those because uh, his is really good, which he's a great communicator. He's from, like, Arkansas, I think. 
I think he's from Arkansas. I don't, he doesn't pasture anymore, but he's, uh, I don't think, I think he just does ministry type stuff. But yeah, <clears throat> um, he's kind of easy to understand. He sounds a little bit like me. He's a little bit Southern and got the accent. But uh, anyway, any questions uh, about the attributes or does that confuse anybody?